Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Talk about a few things just ahead of this next series that I'll be diving into called What is Truth? We'll do that in September. But ahead of that, I want to talk about something that fits together with that, and it's a bit of a, I don't know, a, just kind of a precursor or a little bit of forerunner to that and, and what we'll be talking about. And it's a simple thing. It's something we talk about and read about often, but and it, for many of us, this will just be a simple reminder, but it is powerful. It's one of the most amazing things that God has given to us, and it's essential that we live in this and walk in this and, um, and how we do that. It's what sets us apart. And it's, it's not only one of the simplest things, but I've found that the simplest things that God has given in the kingdom are the most profound and powerful. And when Jesus came on the scene and began his ministry after growing up and then years of working in a job, helping his stepdad for all we, we know as a carpenter, then when his ministry was released, he started to say some things that were radical, and they changed, and they still are changing, uh, the world, the things, these words that he unloaded and released, and he started to give glimpses of what the Father was really like, what heaven really is about, what our lives are supposed to be like. He started to take things that the world had grown up and flipped them upside down and brought truth and life. Pretty powerful. And here's one thing he said in John chapter 13, verse 34 says, a new commandment I give to you. Of course, he's speaking to the Jewish people. They've been, to their best ability, perhaps, abiding by the Ten Commandments. They've carried these commandments for 1,400 years. And Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. And they had no idea quite yet of the depths of that love, but even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Of course, he's speaking to his disciples in this exact context here as well. But he says, all, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. So fascinating. You know, you would, you'd think he might have said something else, like, you know, if you repeat this information that I'm telling you, they're going to know that you're a follower of mine. Or if you, you know, you go to this certain place and worship at that place, or you wear this type of clothing, or you do that, then that will signify that you're one of my followers. He doesn't say any of that. He says, if you love one another, that is the mark of a follower of Jesus is the love that they choose to use toward another person that identifies them in his sight and others' eyes that we're followers of Jesus. Some call this the 11th commandment. He doesn't add a commandment of a do not do this like much of the 10 commandments, this 11th commandment, or Jesus's commandment, this first one that he gives us here, is to do something. It's to love people. It's a choice. Make sure that you are using your love 
on other people, that you're helping them. Uh, I have a friend, he's now with the Lord. I got to know him in the mid-90s, about 1995. And um, he shared here many times. He passed away in 2014. His name's Bob. And uh, Bob had this experience in the 70s, way before I met him, where he got really, really sick. He died, and he had this this experience of his spirit going to heaven. And when he met the Lord, he had just gotten saved. He hadn't been saved very long, a few years And he meets the Lord face to face, and Jesus asks him a question. You know, there's always those things where you got St. Peter at the gate, and they're saying, why should I let you in, all that. That wasn't the question. Jesus asked him a question, and he said, Bob, while you were on the earth for the time that I gave you, did you learn how to love while you were there? That was the question that God asked him. Did you learn how to love other people? And I don't remember him telling me what his answer was. But the next thing he, re- he realizes is that he came back to life. His body actually came back. And he came back to life in the hospital. Didn't realize he had died, but had this experience. And they told him later that he had, he had died. His, his pulse had stopped. He went away. He stopped breathing. He was gone. And that's when he had that experience. And he came back to life. He realized that... The answer to his question was not one that he really was proud of, that I really hadn't learned how to love yet. So he spent the rest of his life, until the time I met him, learning how to love people, learning how to love God, and learning how to love people. And I can say, and it, I went to, when I went to his funeral in 2014, it was amazing to hear person after person after person after person after person get up on the stage and talk about him. And each one of them with their own story talked about how loving he was and how they felt like he was their best friend and how they felt important by the way he would communicate with them. They felt like they were an important person because of the love that came out of him. He really did, when his second chance, learn how to love. And when you see the words that Jesus shared, and then I have an experience like that with my friend, you see the importance and the power of living a life of loving other people and of loving God. So what Jesus said was the best commandments, the highest, the greatest commandments, to love God with all that you have and to love our neighbor as ourself. As much as we love ourselves. We're told to love other people. It is the mark of a Christian. It's the mark of a Christian. It's what sets us apart is that we love one another, regardless of how someone is treating us. That's the big one right there. And that's not easy, but a person who allows God in their life, who's been changed by him and received his forgiveness and love, then has something to draw on and give away that they didn't have before. This amazing, this amazing love that we've been given. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, okay, everyone, it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, abide in me, and then he later says, abide in my love. So in other words, he's saying to us, Jesus says to us, make your home my love for you. Live in that place. So the love that I have for you, I want you to live in that place. 
And then when you live in the, the love of Jesus, guess what? You've got his love to give away. We can then live from that place. Man, there's so many other places people live. Jesus said for all of his followers, you know, there's a lot of other places you can live, but I want you to live in my love. When you wake up in the morning, live in that place where you recognize that I love you. I'm surrounding you with my love. If you live there, I'm telling you what amazing thing happens. You don't live out of shame. You don't live out of condemnation. You're not living out of comparison. You're not living not knowing who you are. You're not living trying to be like someone else. When you live in the love of Jesus, the most simple thing, but yet not easy, but if we will do that, then we will be lovers of people, lovers of God. You know, you've heard many teachings, I'm sure, throughout your life on the different kinds of love, the phileo and agape and eros and all those types of love. Uh, and it's important to, to distinguish between them. But that agape love, which we're, we're taught, is an unconditional love. It's a love not based on how well you're doing or I'm doing or others that we're loving are doing. And that's true. But it's even more than just an unconditional love. It's a love from the will rather than a feeling. And that's super important. It's love that we choose to love with. I say at every wedding I've done, I was looking at my notes, I think I've done 35 weddings. When I speak at a wedding and share, I say this every time, that love is a million choices of choosing your spouse over yourself. That's love. It's not always feelings. Sometimes there are feelings attached, and those are wonderful too. But genuine, authentic love, it's a choice. It's a matter of setting my will to love. And that, uh, that agape-type love, when you boil it down, it means to seek the highest good for another person. I'm wanting the very best for you, and so my actions are love, whatever that is. An encouraging word, a kind a kindness, a hug, a prayer, whatever the best is for that person, that's, that's the love being exercised. And that's what we're called to do. In, chap, in Luke chapter six, Jesus describes who the others are or one another is. Who is this one another people? It says, love one another. So Jesus explains it. Luke six, verse 32 if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 33, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount, with interest usually. Verse 35, but Jesus says, He's telling us something completely different. Love your enemies and be kind. I'm reading this thing in the Amplified. And do good, doing favor so that someone derives benefit from them and lend expecting and hoping for nothing in return. How about that? Hope that they don't pay you back. That's amazing. But considering nothing as lost, and despairing of no one. And then, says, when that happens, 
then your reward will be great. Jesus says that about two different things in his time on the earth. He said, your reward is great for two different things, and this is one of them. When we love in such a way that we expect nothing in return, we're just loving. In fact, we're not only not expecting, we're hoping we don't get something back from them. And then the other one is when you're persecuted. When you're persecuted for righteousness sake, Jesus says in those two situations, there is great reward. Now, if the king of the universe who made everything says there's great reward, it's beyond what you and I can even imagine it's gonna be. We cannot wrap our mind around or even conceive of how great this reward is going to be. This is not like a million bucks. This is a billion times that in other ways. Who knows what God has? This great reward, when God says great reward for you. And this is one one case here. It's how we love people. It's how we love our enemies. How well do we love our enemies? Not that you have an enemy that you've made, but a person who sees themselves that, that you are their enemy. How well do we love them? How do we love them? I want to have that great reward. You guys remember probably if you were here a few months ago in April, I invited my friend Tracy Evans from Mozambique to be here. Remember when Tracy was here? She's a missionary. Uh, I've known her since the 90s. I met her when she was early on. we just come back from a mission to the Philippines, living on a garbage dump, rescuing children's off, children off a garbage dump and giving them medicine and saving their lives. Pretty amazing. She's been in Mozambique now for over 20 years, and uh, she's just a remarkable person. She's seen people raised from the dead. Um, just it, She goes into prisons. They feed 900 babies a day. Just incredible person. Well, her story, if you back up Tracy's story, and she may have shared it here at some point. I don't think the last time she was here she did. Is that she grew up in California, broken home, really dysfunctional family entirely. Her dad went to prison while she was at home. Um, then her brother went to prison. No knowledge of God, no experience with God, no church experience. And she was an angry person. She was actually living on the street and thought, man, the only thing, I've got nothing. The only thing I know how to do to even eat is to join the military. So she went in the army. And she's in the military. She has this hatred. She doesn't know where this came from, but other than the devil. She has a hatred for Christians, just hates them. At boot camp, she's in a bunk, and right below her is this African-American woman who happens to be a Christian. And she sees her reading her Bible all the time. It's like, oh, makes her angry. And she's kind to Tracy, made her even more angry. She said, here's a Tracy's own word. She said, I would, lay, I would lie, lie awake at night thinking about ways I could do harm to her. Just hatred. She said, I would sabotage her. And when she was doing her, uh, whatever she said, she would go into her locker, mess up her stuff. She caused her to get demoted. She was just doing harm after harm after harm after harm. And she said, and every time I would do that to her, I would let her know in some way that it was me that did that. Just hatred on display. And she said, and every single time, this woman was kind to me. She wouldn't say anything unkind to me. She wasn't trying to get back at me. She just kept loving me. 
She said, made me even more angry. So she just kept on. She said for five months, she tormented this woman sleeping right below her. After five months, she said she walked into the barracks and there is this woman, after all that she's done to her, causing her to get demoted, causing her to be put to shame, all of these things. And there is this woman ironing Tracy's uniform and had already polished her boots. And it hit Tracy this day after five months of tormenting her and watching her love her in return, it broke her. And she said, why are you doing this? And she quoted this scripture, this woman. She said, the Bible says, Jesus says to love your enemies. And so that's what I'm doing. And she said, then she shared the gospel. Tracy said, I heard the gospel for the first time. She said, I began to weep. And I received Jesus that day. A few days later, she said, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, she became a missionary. Been on the mission field for 35, probably almost 40 years now. Incredible. And it was through a woman who's a believer who chose to love regardless of how she was treated, who chose to put this forgiveness and beautiful life that Jesus has given to her into action and to live in his love and let that pour out regardless of how we're treated. And that is a big part right there. Because I want to say in my natural person, you know, one of the things that I can, the, the Lord has to check me on is when I'm mistreated that I don't get offended. I wrote this, opportunities to love others often come in packages that seem like the devil is mistreating us. Opportunities to love others often come in packages that looks like the devil's mistreating us. And so we can get offended or we can do battle against the enemy instead of looking for an opportunity to love that person, to love them. And we often miss our opportunity to put Jesus on full display because we get offended by how we're treated. I've done that. I don't want to do that anymore. One of the ways we know that we're growing in God is how am I loving other people? How am I loving other people? Am I forgiving? Am I looking to love an enemy? Someone who just doesn't like me? Someone who just hates me? Guess what? That hatred didn't come from themselves. It's the enemy inside of them just trying to do that. But I can love through that. Something so powerful along with this that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 is that love never fails. It's impossible, impossible for love to fail. When we live in his love and then find ways to love another person, that thing is the most powerful weapon in the earth. It cannot fail. All, every other weapon will fail at times. Love does not. It may take a while and you may not see the results, but that love has this power of heaven in it that does something that we can't even see. It's an amazing thing, especially if you're persecuted, mistreated, abused, offended, whatever it is. If we 
choose that agape, that choice of my will. I'm going to love this person anyway. Yeah, they mistreated me. They said evil things about me. They should have done this instead. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to love. Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So that's speaking of in here and with other believers. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Now that is that, that love there is the phileo type. That's not the agape. It's this brotherly affection, having an affection for one another. So we're supposed to have that too. I have this affection, I, but I just care about you. We're supposed to grow in that as well. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So I would add in there, there's an opportunity out of love to serve one another. Not an opportunity for the flesh, but use our freedom to find ways to serve someone. How can I serve someone? What can I buy someone? What can I pray for someone about? How can I give someone an encouraging word? I'm telling you what, that is a testimony that we are a follower of Jesus and it builds the body of Christ in incredible ways and it reaches the lost, all of those things. All of those things happen. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, that's amazing, the entire law fulfilled in the statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's powerful. All of the law is fulfilled in this statement. When we love other people, genuinely looking for their best, all of the law is fulfilled. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 says, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another. That's my prayer for you today. May you increase and abound in love. May it flow out of you like rivers for one another and for all people, not just those in here, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. This is tied to holiness even. As we love other people, so we're looking to benefit others. And I realized how powerful our love is when we step out, when we're intentional, when we choose with our will to love someone, to do something kind for someone, especially if they have been mean to us, if they have done wrong to us. How can I find a, what if, you know, Tracy was up on her bunk before she met the Lord, thinking of ways to do harm to the Christian. What if we were thinking of ways to creatively love? The exact opposite. Like, how can I, how can I break through this one? How can love find its destination? Yesterday, I went to a funeral. And um, as at every funeral that I've ever been to, People stand up and they say these amazing words about this person, which is appropriate and right and wonderful. And it was wonderful yesterday to hear these words. I didn't know the, the man very well. I knew him a little bit. But man, he was what a great guy. 
But I always think of this at every single funeral as well. I wonder if he heard or knew what other people thought about him before he died. I'd say most of the time people don't realize that. And the words they hear of affirmation and celebration and rejoicing over them and how much they love them oftentimes stays in the hearts of those people until they die and then they tell everybody. That feels backwards to me, right? Shouldn't the love that we feel and that we have and the thankfulness and the gratitude and the encouragement come out of us before a person goes to heaven when they don't need it, (laughs) right? They don't need it anymore. And that's why I heard a man say one time, he said, let love reach its destination while the person's still alive. Let words of encouragement, think of people in here, people that you know, your family, friends, people you see at church, you may not even know them very well, but something in your heart has been inspired by their life Something in you feels like, man, whether it's someone singing up here, like, man, they have just an amazing voice. They lead us in the spirit so well, or I've watched them live their life. I've watched this parent. I've watched this parent, and they just do so well with their kids, and it's amazing to me. To let those, that thought turn into action, to go to that person and to tell them that thing right there. Man, I admire this about you. I just want to celebrate your victory in this, or... I just want to acknowledge and tell you how amazing it is what you said. And I, or I watched you do this. Those kind of things are so powerful. What they do is they build the body. They build the body. Encouragement is unstoppable. And we can give that, that love away to believers and non-believers. That's part, that's the mark of who we are. We love our neighbor. We love our neighbor so much that we encourage him. We find ways creatively to release encouragement. We want to find ways to creatively encourage everything that moves. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. One way to demonstrate this is to, this is, this is just one way, is to find ways to celebrate people. Rejoice with them. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.